Like all Wes Anderson movies, it is enigmatic, artificial, infuriatingly self-indulgent, and irrevocably pointless. An outstanding blurb from Rex Reed of Observer. He's talking about Asteroid City, which is our feature review this week here on Cinephile. We we're also talking about some classic old movies. That's right. Next year is the 40th anniversary of Amadeus. So again, thanks to my boy, John LeBoy, who hooked me up with the DVD. So I finally got to watch that classic Academy Award winning movie. In addition to that, I watched Belle du Jour, which was fantastic. I'll tell you more about that Catherine Deneuve movie uh, from Louis Bunuel as well. As always, a pleasure to have you with us here on Cinephile. No wild card this week, although we did tape an interview with Oscar De La Hoya. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. And I'll be taping an interview tomorrow with Pam Greer. That's right, 70s black exploitation icon. Of course, the star of Jackie Brown with Tarantino. She's got a new movie coming out. So we're taping with Pam tomorrow and an author of a book about The Exorcist. So that's going to be next week as well. So good guests lined up uh, next week and the week after with Delahoya, of course, one of the great boxers of recent memory. I also did not get a chance to watch Dolly Land, but somebody had sent this to me. You know, have you seen it yet? What do you think? You know, Ben Kingsley movie. So then I saw Ty Burr's review and he had this quote. I, Dolly, will build the ultimate penis to relieve the world of its anxiety. It will circle the planet, and when it is finished, it will ejaculate over the United Nations. My contribution <laughs> to world peace. So uh, I'm going to skip Dolly Land, but that is a pretty good quote there. Ben Kingsley starring in that movie. Again, good guests coming up. As always, appreciate you going to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. I just got back from Seattle and the All-Star Game, which was fantastic. And Chris had just told you guys all about how much he loved Victoria, which is in British Columbia, en route to your uh, Alaskan cruise. But once again, just just could not avoid the curse of United. I mean, just, just getting me again. Now, <laughs> again, somebody said to me, you, 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 it's your fault. You're flying United. I said, no, I didn't book the flight. MLB Network's booking the flight. I'm not making the rules around here, okay? They just go, here's what you're doing. I'm like, all right, cool. 6 a.m. flight, Sunday. Thankfully, first class. But once we get on there, I just knew right away. And I was like, now I'm at the point, like, I just got to take this melatonin. Now it's an addiction. Stuck on the plane is a different kind of stuck. Yeah, 100%. But that where we were before, again, if you're just missing this, Monday was a, a seven-hour delay. Eventually canceled at 3.30 a.m. On the Thursday out of Connecticut, it was a five-hour delay. Eventually we get on. Once you're on the plane, I completely agree with Cody. Now it's a different type. Again, now the claustrophobia really kicks in. Wait, when are we leaving? We're we not moving. We're stuck. Can we open a window? No, that's getting kind of stuffy. So thank God, my sister-in-law is a lifesaver. She told me, you got to start taking this melatonin. I'm like, all right, great, because it's natural. Put you to bed. I'm like, great. So once the guy was like, there's a slight delay, you know, it's just take about one. I'm like, I'm popping two of these suckers. So I, I and the thing is, again, the, the luxury of being first class, thanks to MLB Network, it was it was like the good United, like the really good ones. You can just fully recline. I'm like fully horizontal. Oh. And I just turn the guy next to me. I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'll, I'll see you. Like, I'm going to be out for the next 10 hours. <laughs> so I woke up three hours later and I look at him and, He's like, we're still in Newark. Oh. Like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so for three hours, people just sitting like, what is this going to happen? And Did I go, you still well, feel it? Go- Did you still feel like you were there? Yeah, like- no, like, you're right. Like when you're, you're not totally out of it. Like I was sleeping. But I was like, I don't think we're flying yet. Like I kind of opened my eyes. Like, no, we're yeah. not moving. But it's fine. Just just stay quiet. Stay down. If I, if I start to get aware of things, the claustrophobia is going to ramp up. Like I got I to get the F out of here. <laughs> so I'm like, I just I just pretend we were flying. I pretend I was on a beach somewhere, whatever. So then he's like, I go, what? It's, it's a pilot issue, right? Because these pilots are incredible with the United. He's like, yeah, apparently they can't find the right runway. Or they can't take off. And then he says something like, okay, folks, we have one more option. And if not, it's going to be a long time. And like, you hear people laughing, long time. It's already been three hours. Like, what's all, I got that point. I'm like, I would have just gotten off the plane. How do you get point, people onto the plane if there's no pilot? Like I would think, like if you're if you're no, sitting, the pilot's in the- there. So it's just about it's about the takeoff, the departure, <laughs> with all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's a runway. We don't have the right runway. We can't go from this spot. I need a road. Then, what, I need a road. Yeah. I can't get out of here. Yeah, I forgot. To, at some point, somebody said something about like 
there's thunder showers in the Midwest, so they're not trying to navigate that. I'm like, but we're in New Jersey. Like, can't can't we take off and like find an alternate route? Like, hey, let's let's avoid Montana. But I, I don't understand that. The, the logistics of it is bizarre. I mean, last week was we just don't have enough pilots. So again, that's just people not showing up for work. This one is you know, we have people on the it's fully booked. We're all going to Seattle. We just we can't figure out the runway situation. <laughs> so three hour delay, six hour flight, nine hours on a plane. I'm like, oh, my God. But thank God uh, Seattle is a beautiful city. I, everyone kept saying you're out here at the right time. Like if you're the, if you're there in the winter, it's eight months of overcast and, and you don't see the sun for two weeks. But July is 73, sunny, no humidity. Like you got the water, you got the mountains. It's really, really cool. Got to reconnect with a couple old ESPN friends, Steve Bunin, who is an all-time mensch, one of the all-time great guys at ESPN. <laughs> Hadn't seen him like over 10 years. Guy looks fantastic. He's dropped 20 pounds. We were catching up. And Jake Emmert, who is a loyal listener of Cinephile and a big fan of Chris Cody. Like afterwards, we were talking because I said, you know, his wife Hannah's a fan of Levitard. He's like, yeah. So I was telling Jake, okay, give me the rundown. He's like, well, I'm not crazy about Dan. Stu is what he is. Like, you like Cody? He's like, no, Cody's good because we really love Billy. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, my wife and I both we love Billy. I'm like, yeah. All right, Billy's your favorite, but you like Chris. Like, no, we I mean, like Billy Chris. and I right. tend to run in the same circles. Like, if people like me, they like yeah. Billy because we're like the we like to throw the curveballs on the show. So I feel like right. most people that like Billy like me. Most people that like me like Billy. Yeah, and then I said, what about Roy? He goes, no real opinion. He's pretty quiet. Doesn't bring much to I go, Mike Ryan. He goes. Not a little bit obnoxious, but he is playing a character, so I get that. I go, he's like, you know, but but really, the, the keys were Billy and Chris. Like, is right, it a character? That's, that's the question. Is it a character? <laughs> <laughs> is Mike playing a heel, or is he just a douche? And 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 then once obviously the the All Star festivities were awesome. The home run derby was great. You I, looked I went great. Can seven. I can I talk about your style? Because I, oh, I saw this you, this Instagram video. I think it was Chris Young, you Chris Young, yeah. and I think maybe Yonder, like walking yeah. from the outfield, and they were mm-hmm. both in suits, and you were and. I'm telling you, man, I was impressed. You had this like it wasn't too dressy, but it was like a nice jacket over like yeah. you were you were hitting that perfect balance of like cash and looking good. You had to you have to have a stylist. So it was yeah, that impressive. It was that First impressive. Off, thank you for the compliments because you're right. I could not do it myself. So Ravi is my guy. Uh, Rissy from Vancouver, Canadian, of course. He has a company called Baines and Baker. So originally, they used to outfit us at MLB Network. Like when I first started in 2019, they get you a couple suits a yeah. year. COVID happens, the deal falls apart. So I said to him, listen, I still need clothing. So when WWE happened, uh, the clothing deal, so I don't have clothing. The WWE, I remember looking at the contract. Oh, my God, the clothing. Take a guess what the clothing is for like one year. I don't, I've uh, never I'll, even I'll, heard of a clothing I'll, deal. I'll, I'll, help, I'll help by giving you numbers. This is what happens every single time. They go, I have no idea. This happened to two of Jake and Steve. I go, hey, guess what kind of numbers Cinephile gets? Well, I have no idea. I know you don't have an idea. That's why I said just take a guess. So you just did that again to me. I don't, people go, I, don't, I'm like, I know you have no idea. That's why I asked. I don't you. want to be terrible. Okay. Uh, a wardrobe no, no, I'll, for I'll, a year. I'll, pre- okay. I'll, preface, I'll preface with this. Preface this is first job in Toronto. I used to get $2,000 every six months. We'd go to a guy named Lamana, or the store was called Lamana. It was awesome. Progressively, it would get worse. I worked at MLSE. I get five suits a year. Went to ESPN, $1,500 every other year. I think after I was there six years, they go, we'll give you $1,500 a year. Not MLB Network. A year. I no, I, now MLB Network, I have no clothing deal. Like Whatever clothes you want to get, that's your problem. You want to wear the same suit every day? You want to look like a jackass? That's on you. So guess what WWE is with that knowledge? Uh, you're, you're building it up like it's a lot. I'm going to say $10,000 a year. Chris Cody nailed it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ten grand a year. So when I get let go after seven weeks, I'm furious. I go, well, I, I spent $2,500, but I figured I'd spend $2,500 every three months. And my agent correctly says, oh, no, it says 10 grand per annum per year. Spend the 10 grand. I'm like, okay. So I told Ravi right away, I go, hey, man, listen, I got let go by WWE, but here's the deal. I got to spend this money right away. It's kind of like Brewster's Millions here. Shout out to Richard Pryor. So I said, I'm going to send you $10,000. I don't know. I already spent $2,500. I'm going to give you another 7500 
He's like, yep. And you just get me a bunch of stuff. So who is this guy to um, you? It's just a friend of yours that knows style? Not even. No, 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 no. You're not even listening. Okay. He was the original stylist for MLB Network okay. with Baines and Baker. Sorry. That's his company. So he's a stylist. He has a, a store in New York. So he gave us our suits in October. So the deal fell apart after COVID. Right. Right. Like, hey, get your own suits. So I hit him up. I'm like, who, who can I get suits from on a whim? I was like, hey, you, you outfit people. And his main guy is Nate Burleson, fellow Canadian. So Burleson's his guy. So I said, can you help me out? I'm going to send you $7,500. Like, yeah, no problem. I go through with Jenna. I start picking out suits. Now, this is where I give myself some credit because you're right. I am the one picking. I go, no, I want a purple suit. I love the color purple. I want a purple suit. She's like, okay. She's like, it's definitely going to pop. I'm like, it's love it or hate it. I love the Joker. It's my favorite color. And the one that you're talking about, they had suggested because he goes, that's a Burleson suit. He goes, it's called a jogger suit. And because you wear it with like a lime green, and my wife hated the lime green. She texted me and goes, "Oh my, who I, picked out the great. shirt?" And I go, yep. "I'm with. I appreciate you because I was like, I think it's a good look. I'm like, it's definitely bold." Now the one issue is, and these guys all know this, but with clothing, I was like, I'm always going to go casual. Like I, I never wear a tie. So like Marty, our, our CP, our Korean producer, was like, "You're going no tie, like, yeah, of course." But then Yonder's big on the tie. So the night before, he's like, "Hey guys, just so you know, I'm going to wear a tie." I go, "Okay." They were and both I think Chris dressed wore fancy. They were so both. The, <laughs> So then it wasn't good. So then I showed up and I go, what? And they go, when are you going to change? I go, I'm not changing. I, we made this clear. It's all-star media day, which is pretty casual. So I'm wearing this jogger suit. You guys are wearing three pieces. And Chris looks phenomenal. He also is with Baines and Baker. It's the same deal with Ravi. He made his own deal. He's wearing like a turquoise suit. Yeah. So even one of our bosses were like, listen, it, it's totally fine what you wore, but like we've got to be on the same page. Like If everyone's wearing three pieces, then everyone has to dress three pieces. I go, well, that's on them. It's media day. It's casual. <laughs> Like the, the, you tell those guys, guess what? Tomorrow they're like, I'll be wearing a full suit and tie. I'm with Albert Pujols and Pedro Martinez. And it's before the All-Star game. I will wear a suit and tie. How many outfits does $7,500 get you? Just curious. So the rate is, I'm definitely giving away too much information now, but the rate <laughs> that he gets, and Robbie is excellent with it because it's, it's very, and Chris and I had this conversation. I go, he's very affordable. He's like, absolutely. The suit he charges is 800 bucks. For a three piece, it's a thousand. Okay. So I think if you go to like a you know a top end clothing store, it's like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. Yeah. Especially these guys, as we've discussed with the Jason Taylor colognes. Which, by the way, when I was in the hotel, I'm like, holy crap, these, these Latin guys, man, they put that cologne on. I'm like, holy smokes, was, was David Ortiz in here? Like, you could smell cologne everywhere. I'm like, this is that three hundred. And, and I asked Yonder because his brother in law is Manny Machado. I go, hey, what, what kind of cologne does Manny have? He told me the, what it was, and it cost three hundred fifty dollars a bottle. I'm like, yeah, that that is that all star <laughs> cologne. That's what I was thinking. But um, yeah, like normally I mean, a suit's at least a grand. So Robbie's got a good price. He goes 800 a suit, three piece of grand. Again, I'm not going to go further. He gave me an even better deal because, again, I was giving him a lot of money up front. So he's like, bro, for you, I'm going to give you a separate price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the good news is his suits are awesome and, and, and they look great. The bad news is it takes a long time to get his suits. <laughs> I, I, I spent all that money. I'm still owed suits. And it's at the point now, like I, I that, that purple suit, I just got to go. I have to get this for the All-Star game. Like I ordered it. This was May of 2021. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I am still owed four suits. Robbie's on vacation right now. <laughs> it's incredible. Like he texted me, everything good. I'm like, I, I still need to get my stuff though. Like your suits are awesome, and, and it's a very affordable price. But I actually have to have them. Like if if I had known this, I would have just you know maybe just paid a thousand dollars and gone to Bloomingdale's and just gotten a bunch. You of can't suits. do the hey, what's up? How's it going? When you owe someone suits, like he's just yeah. checking in on you. Hey, how's it going, man? What? Anything new? <laughs> and I asked my. <laughs> <laughs> everything good yeah and and my buddy mike woolen fellow mlb network producer we play tennis all the time i, go, I need your advice because here's the thing he goes 
you got to be more direct and you have to call him. He goes, no more texting. Just call and go, hey, I need my stuff. It's yeah. been two years and three months. I need my stuff. Yeah. Whatever conversation it goes in, don't let it deviate. This when might help. Say, hey, this might help yeah. if he hears this. <laughs> he's not going to listen to this podcast. Somebody will listen and pass this on to him, perhaps, but he's not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> but like he's trying to get Harold. And Harold was like, oh, and I go, I'm going to tell you right now, H, he's a really good guy. His suits are awesome and they're very affordable. But you better be patient. And I was like, really? I'm like, dude, I, I, if, you, if you're expecting your suits next week, that's not going to happen. If you're expecting them in the next six months, that's not going to happen. And Chris Young, so I thought maybe it was just me. And Chris Young's like, bro, because his suit was incredible. And it was like, he was, it took me like 13 months to get this suit. Like, this is unbelievable. This guy just takes our money that doesn't get us the suits. Eventually, we get them. Now he's opening up a speakeasy in New York. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> long way of saying, uh, I thank you for the compliment. The purple suit, and I knew the guys that would mock, it's like, because they don't have as, as good a style. It's like, oh, hey, Grimace is here. I didn't Go see the purple. Here. I got to look that one up. I didn't you see gotta it. You got to look at the purple. I saw the day before. Yeah, the day before. I'm glad you like that look, and, and I'm glad you support the lime green. Anyways, uh, sorry for the uh, the tangent. But Seattle's fantastic. Obviously a great ballpark. Um, yeah, everybody was really cool. I mean, the, the purple suit, Lourdes Guriel goes great suit. And he has purple hair. So I go, you need the suit for your hair. Yeah. Um, Kodai Senga liked it. I don't know how good his English is, but he came out and was like, hey, good suit. I'm like, all right. <laughs> the Blue Jays obviously were great. Boba Shett was awesome. Vlad Jr. speaks Spanish. I couldn't say anything, but we was, you know, said hello. Jordan Romano's awesome, fellow Canadian. So we talked Canadian stuff. But the best was Freddie Freeman. Because yeah. when Freddie came to the set on the air, I was like, hey, man, I love the fact you play for Team Canada. And then afterwards, I would I wouldn't ask for a picture. Like I'm at the age now, I'm almost 45. Like who's asking a guy for a picture, especially when he's younger than you? Yeah. But Freddie Freeman, I got, can I get a picture? Yeah, of course. Mom from Peterborough, Ontario. Dad from Windsor. I'm like I gotta get a picture. Yeah. And Pujol and Pujols too. He was the only other one I go. It's Albert Pujols. Yeah. I'm like I'm trying to explain to people. I'm like you know I'm with Pedro Martinez. I'm like I've worked with Pedro enough now that like it you know it it doesn't get old. But I'm like Pedro's Pedro. But he's a three time signing award winner. He's probably a top 15 pitcher all time, maybe top 10. Pujols is one of like four players ever to hit 700 home runs. Yeah. I'm like this is incredible. Like I'm sitting next to him, and like we're, he's dapping me up, and we're joking. And are like, they cool? Are they awesome. cool off air? They're all cool. Like great guys. Nice. The big thing though that I noticed is that they're always speaking Spanish, so I can't, I can't keep up. So it's like yonder Pedro Pujol. You do so a lot of nodding, yeah. just kind of like yeah. Yeah. So okay. I'm just like uh, they're having their own conversation. I'm like I'm just gonna check out the Wimbledon scores. Is there one of them that like includes you? Like what he said was is that they're saying this. Like is one yonder of them would like... be the most likely of the three. <laughs> but if they're having a conversation, he's not gonna go out of his way to interpret it for me. But yonder would be the most. Like we had a lot of Spanish speaking. Like Jorge Soler came up, and I'm like, oh god, like on on set. But yonder's like, I'll just translate. Yeah. But he he's very good at it. So I'm like, you got to start English. He's I'm gonna ask him what's up with the Marlins this year. What's a good story? Blah blah blah. Then he says it in Spanish. He answers in Spanish, and he answers it in English. Yeah. Like it's a real four step process. That's where I give the guys. Listen, I understand if you're not comfortable with language. Randy Rosarena, same thing. But I give Luis Rice credit. He came up broken English, but I'm like he's making an effort. I don't yeah. speak Spanish. I'm like I I am pulling hard for Luis Rice. Did 400 now even more because he was he was so gracious with us. But Seattle definitely a cool city. Very expensive. Definitely shades of San Francisco though. Like yeah. overcast, hilly, liberal, a lot of homeless seafood. But like you know, nice enough here. Food, yeah. yes, exactly. Seafood, sushi. Like it's definitely. It's just that that flight's a ball buster, but that park is awesome. If you're, yeah, if you're a baseball is. fan, I'm like, it's it's definitely an elite ballpark mm -hmm. that I was actually there. All right, um, let's talk a little Emmy nominations, which I hadn't even thought about. And then Claire just texted me, she's like, "Are you doing Emmy nominations?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I should do that. That's a good idea." So let's fire through a few of these before we get to some movies. Um, as far as the best drama series, I mean, it's going to be Succession all day. What is really horrifying is the fact Better Call Saul, which me and Roy Bellamy love, oh for forty six at the Emmys. They have yet to win an Emmy award ever. So I'm just hoping they win one. They're not going to win drama series that succession. Best actor in a drama series. Here's where it gets interesting. Brian Cox, spoiler alert. I think we're good at this point. He dies in early in the final season of succession. So he isn't deserving of this award for this season. He probably should have been a supporting actor. He's in three of 10 episodes. 
But he's Brian Cox. The guy's awesome. Like, if you want to reward success, you should give it to Brian Cox. But Kieran Culkin's never won. He's nominated. Fantastic in the show. And I love Jeremy Strong, of course, former guest of Cinephile, who has won Best Actor Succession. So one of those three is going to win it. Curious to see Jeff Bridges' nomination. The guy who should win it. This will offend Succession fans, of which I am a loyal one, is Bob Odenkirk. Again, Better Call Saul's never won. This is like the sixth nomination. Bob really should win and just represent the show. He's not going to win, but I would go nuts if he actually won. Best actress in a drama series should be Sarah Snook for Succession. Moving on. Supporting actor in a drama series, F. Murray Abraham, who I'll mention later in Amadeus in The White Lotus. If you look at these nominations, it's a lot of White Lotus. It's a lot of Succession. Uh, for supporting actor, you've got eight nominees, which is also absurdity. The Oscars does five nominees. It should be five nominees for acting categories. Why do the Emmy Awards insist upon eight nominees? You just dilute the nomination. But sure, whatever. More wild card teams. It's like this in sports. Let's just add playoff teams. Okay, fine. Great. Make it less important. So eight nominees. I was thrilled to see Michael Imperioli, former guest of Cinefile, Sopranos Forever, nominated for White Lotus. But it really should be, I think, Matthew McFadden for Succession. Again, four actors from Succession of the eight nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Supporting actress, again, me and Roy all day long. Ray Seahorn took her six years to finally get a nomination. She was nominated last time for Better Call Saul, did not win. She should win. She's not going to win because the world sucks. There's <laughs> five nominees from the White Lotus, including Chris's girl, Jennifer Coolidge, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. She's attractive. Maybe she'll win. Yeah. Jay Smith Cameron, only one nominee from Succession. Maybe she wins. Uh, you know what? Now that I look at the category, maybe the White Lotus all splits, but it's probably your girl Coolidge, but it should be uh, should be Ray Seahorn. Comedy series, Abbott Elementary feels like the show has got a lot of buzz, but of course, Ted Lasso final season. Although, to Dan Stanzik, everybody out there loves Ted Lasso. I know more than a few people. Claire is one of them who are like, hey, this last season of Ted Lasso sucks. Yeah, it was not So great. everyone who was like, you're going to watch, I, I heard of this bomb. Oh, no. So I'm glad I didn't I'm with waste you. my time. I'm a Ted big Lasso. Ted Lasso guy, but the last yeah. season does not deserve to get to win a lot of awards. Right. So it is nominated. Let's see if it doesn't win. We'd love to see Maisel nominated for the final season or actually only murders in the building. Barry would be nice to see recognized, but it might be the bear. Abbott Elementary. Who knows? I Actors started the bear. Series. I started the bear last night. Did you? People really like the bear. First two I, episodes I, I got into the first season. So me and my wife. Yeah, but look you, at us. Okay, you'll get. I, I'm curious about your bear review. That'll be coming soon from Cody. Uh, actress in a comedy series. Love Brosnahan. Would love to see her nominated and rewarded. Actor in a comedy series. Would love to see Martin Short win. Of course, Marty Short. It's probably going to be your boy Sudeikis for Lasso. Maybe Bill Hader for Barry, who's great. Supporting actor. Of course, I'm all in on Henry Winkler for Barry. Also, Anthony Kerrigan for Barry. Again, the last. Lasso guys, both nominated, weak. Supporting actress in a comedy series, I'll be pushing for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Alex Borstein, probably one of the actresses from Abbott Elementary or Ted Lasso. Best limited or anthology series, maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi, but a lot of talk about Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, or Beef, currently on Netflix. Actress in a limited series, uh, I'm pushing hard for Jessica Chastain, for George and Tammy. Haven't seen it yet. If anyone from Showtime is listening, please send me a screener. I, I don't want to pay $9 a month for Showtime, but I really want to watch George and Tammy because my boy Michael Shannon is nominated for Best Actor for also George and Tammy. I'm not, like, I'm not a huge country guy, but I would just want to watch this for uh, those two actors who are so great. We have a Tammy Wynette, obviously. Uh, also, Kumail Nanjiani nominated for Welcome to Chippendales and Evan Peters for Dahmer and our boy Taron Edgerton for Blackbird, Stephen Yoon for Beef. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, hey, guys, you ever see what a girl looks like when you're kind of rubbing her bear? <laughs> it's going to be Paul Walter Hauser for Blackbird. He's won everything so far. And he's awesome. Although Ray Liotta might get winning, you know, a posthumous win. And Richard Jenkins, one of my favorite actors, he's nominated for Dahmer, which I also have not seen. Supporting actress, sure. Claire Danes, Fleischman is in trouble. I heard she's pretty good. Writing for a comedy series might be The Bear, which Cody is now watching. Probably going to be Lasso. 
I hope it's only murders in the building or Barry, which is, of course, Bill Hader writing it himself. Best writing for a drama series might be the lock of the century. It'll be succession for Jesse Armstrong. Would love to see Better Call Saul get recognized. It'll probably be like 0 for 55. Best writing for a limited or anthology series. Weird the Al Yankovic story. I'm cheering for Weird Al. I saw that on the plane back from Seattle. What did you think? I loved it. It was exactly yes. like I, it was just as hilarious. It was like obviously ridiculous, but it, like the Madonna stuff. It was just oh. it was it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah, a spoof of his actual biography. The fact that Weird Al wants to that Madonna wants to kill Weird Al at one point is amazing. Uh, directing for a comedy series, I would go with Bill Hader. Fantastic. They might go with the name recognition. Tim Burton directed Wednesday on Netflix, so Monica Bellucci's better half, or let's be honest, Monica Bellucci's lesser half might win that nominee. Best directing limited or anthology series, probably going to be Beef or again, Dahmer. Talk series. So this I love because every year I'm like, how the hell does John Oliver keep putting it? Such garbage. The guy does a show once a week and he takes like 12 weeks vacation. He's up against Colbert, who's five days a week. He's up against Kimmel five days a week. He's up against Seth Meyers five days a week. So thank God Oliver no longer in this category. So I'm hoping Colbert gets recognized or Jimmy Kimmel. Big fans of both of those guys. Reality competition, who cares? RuPaul's Drag Race, sure. Animated program, The Simpsons, Bob Burgers, whatever. Structured reality program, unstructured reality program. This one's just made up stuff. I'm like, what? Sure, Love is Blind, whatever you say. Best television movie, I'm pulling for Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Best game show, Family Feud still going. Jeopardy, gotta be Jeopardy for our boy Stanzik. Best scripted variety series, this is where it's interesting. You've got John Oliver against Saturday Night Live. That's a very good race there. And the best variety special, generally it's the Oscars, maybe the Tonys, who knows, maybe Chris Rock as well. Uh, aside from that, you got best host for a game show. Like, how is Maya Bialik nominated? Everyone hates her. <laughs> I'm a former guest of Cinephile, so I like to give her some love. But she's up for Jeopardy against Ken Jennings. Pat Sajak nominated. That's going to be his final one. Uh, best actor in a comedy series. I like the guest actor, Oliver Platt in The Bear, which Cody's currently watching. We'll get a review soon. Best guest actor in a drama series. James Cromwell for Succession. Absolutely fantastic. He, he should win in a rout. Uh, then you got other guest actors. I mean, Successes, again, has a ton more nominations. Hi, bus. Best documentary or nonfiction special. Still a Michael J. Fox movie. Would love to see that win. Might be Pamela, a love strip. I think Michael J. Fox will come through with the victory there. Best documentary or nonfiction series. Probably the U.S. and the Holocaust from our man Ken Burns. Best hosted nonfiction series. Got to be my boy Stanley Tucci, Searching for Italy. Although I could see Letterman winning as well. And then you got documentary filmmaking as well. All right. That's your Emmy nominee recap. We'll come back. Talk little movies. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
All right, let's talk about movies, shall we? Asteroid City. Following a writer on his world-famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech-obsessed family to small rural Asteroid City to compete in a junior stargazing event, only to have his worldview disrupted forever. Yep, we're back in the world of Wes Anderson, and it's been a long time since I really actually enjoyed his movies. Rushmore and The Royal Tenenbaums are both in my top 100. I think they're both elite comedies. Uh, funny enough, Asteroid City starring Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman, obviously a longtime Wes Anderson guy. He loves using the same cast. With him and Bill Murray and Rushmore, it's it's like one of the great comedies of the 90s. And Royal Tenenbaums, I think, is even better with an exceptional cast led by Gene Hackman, Angelica Houston, Ben Stiller, and so on. Those movies, to me, were the pinnacle. A lot of people also like Bottle Rocket. Scorsese, a big fan of that. As is Ryan Marcillo. That was Wes Anderson's first movie. But after that, I just think it's gotten very, very predictable. It's very um, static, and it gets very deliberate. And the, what I appreciate his movies is his visual style is extraordinary. Nobody else makes movies that look like Wes Anderson and his attention to detail, production design. But every character talks the same. Every character is the same deadpan voice, and it just becomes so pretentious. Like, you really have to love the pretension of what he's doing. And ultimately, I just think it becomes exhausting. You can look at a movie and say it, it's visually impressive. You can look at the cast, and this cast is insane. He's got Tom Hanks, Steve Carell, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Margot Robbie, Matt Dillon, and I'm sure a bunch of other actors I'm missing. But ultimately, if the story's not interesting, it's not interesting. You're just taking a bunch of great actors, having them. Brian Cranston's also in it. He plays the narrator. You're, you're, you're just having them read stilted dialogue, and, and you try to wonder, like, what is the point of all of this? I saw my boy Scott Rogowski. He was there for Fanatics. We watched the Home Run Derby together, and I mentioned Asteroid City. And again, Scott knows comedy as well as anybody. He's like, yeah, what the hell is the point of that? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, these Wes Anderson movies, I'm like, somehow he gets budgets. Somehow every actor wants to work with him. He's an incredible cast. But ultimately, it, it's not funny. It's unique, and it's interesting, and memorable at times and a couple of laughs, but ultimately his movies, I just find them insufferable at this point. I'm giving it two Maple Leafs. Again, if you're a fan of that cast, maybe you'll want to see it. Maybe it's something to watch on streaming, but I, I long for the days where Wes Anderson actually made movies that were entertaining and funny and not just kind of stuck in their own world. Like it's that Wes Anderson world. It's miniaturized, but it's just not a world that I find I enjoy exploring. It's not particularly fun to be there. That's two stars there for Asteroid City. Props to AMC in Kansas City, which was a nice little... And I was with Kansas City, what am I talking about? AMC Seattle, which was a very nice little theater I went to. $20 Uber just to get there, but they hooked me up with Asteroid City. Next up, Amadeus. Classic. 40th anniversary next year. The life, success, and troubles of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, as told by Antonio Salieri, the contemporaneous composer who was deeply jealous of Mozart's talent and claimed to have murdered him. Never seen it. Also one of Rogowski's favorite movies. So... uh you know, I'd asked my boy LeBoy and he hooked me up and I couldn't wait to see it. And my wife loves this movie, too. The big thing with Amadeus is the laugh. The laugh of Mozart is I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it's, it's a top five laugh ever in movie history. It's absolutely iconic. I think that, that's where you have to start. If somebody just mentions Amadeus to you, they go, ha, 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 ha. that's the Mozart laugh. I know that Chris has no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm actually going to text it to Chris right now. Like, this is where I'm at with this. I'm like, Cody hasn't seen the movie? No problem. He has to at least watch this while I'm talking. So I've just now texted to you the YouTube clip, which immediately Rag sent to me. Did you watch Amadeus? It's a minute 10 of Tom Hall's laughing. So go ahead, watch that while I keep talking. Okay. So F. Murray Abraham ends up winning Best Actor. And I thought it was so fascinating. I go, hmm, he is not actually Mozart. It's a film called Amadeus, which is about Mozart. And yet the guy who wins Best Actor is his biggest rival, Salieri. To me, that's already interesting. Never having seen Amadeus, 
That's what stood out to me is it's Salieri telling his story. He's, he's like in an old folks home now. He's going back and watching his life. He's reciting what happened to him. And it's a fascinating dynamic just in the way these, these characters relate to each other. Because essentially, Salieri is a composer that takes his work very seriously. And he's somebody who prides himself on appreciating the art. But then he sees Mozart and he's like this infantile little kid. He's got this crazy laugh. He's goofy. He's like sexually uninhibited. Like he's just silly and immature. And yet you put him at the keyboard and the guy's incredible. And, and one of the best scenes in the movie is where he looks at one of Salieri's compositions and he starts altering it in, in time. And Salieri's like, no, no, what are you doing? He's like, no, watch, it's better with this. Look, and again, they're using the musical jargon that I don't know, but, you know, D minor, now try F flat. Oh, look at that. Now, how's that going? I'm like, that truly is a prodigy. You know, that truly is somebody who is a virtuoso, who can sit at a piano and go, no, actually, I'm going to try it like this. Oh, okay. You know, Beethoven was deaf for God's sake. He's just going by the by the tenor of the notes. Like, it's, it's insane the way how talented these people are. And that's where Salieri comes from. He's like, I'm just so jealous of the fact this guy has all this talent. Now, the part I didn't know is there's a lot of, I wouldn't say God complex, but the element of God. It's not even that he's jealous of Moser, but he's also angry at God. He's like, I've I've given myself to you. I'm celibate for you. I've dedicated myself to this music. And you give this guy all this talent. And the jealousy and the rage starts to seep in when Mozart makes fun of him. And there's a great scene at the party. He's like, oh, here's my Salieri impression. And he starts getting this, you know, mug in his face, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't know Salieri's watching him. And he like, just blatantly farts. Like, just like, he's like, literally just lifts his leg. I'm like, oh, they all start laughing. I'm like, oh my God. He's just ripping this guy. So Salieri's like, hang on a second. I recognize you're brilliant. You basically mock me because you make my composition better within seconds, which would be rageful. And then you mock me in front of all these people, like the hell with you. So I'm assuming Amadeus is a story of this guy murdering, um, like Amadeus, like Mozart gets killed by this guy. But again, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, it's been 40 years, so I'm not going to say what happens. But I, it didn't go in that direction, which I, I will say at two hours and 40 minutes, it's a lot. Like, I was expecting this to be a great movie. But at one point, I'm like, this is definitely just Academy Awards bait. Like, I, I'm not shocked that it won eight Oscars. It's a biography. It's about a very famous person in terms of a biography, Mozart. It has a lot of great classical music. It's a period piece. It's got crazy costumes. Like, it, it, it hits all the notes of what would the Academy Awards love. And then I went back and I said, it was maybe 84 wasn't a particularly strong year, and it wasn't. So sometimes when a film wins Best Picture and you hear eight Academy Awards, you go, wow, Amadeus must be one of the greatest movies of all time. It's not. It's a very good movie. It's got two great performances from F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse's Mozart. But as far as a film, I feel a little bit elongated, a little bit drawn out, second half in particular. But I did enjoy the ending. And the overall ending is this, and the, the theme of it, I think, is this. There's prodigies in life. All of us work hard to be great at what we do. But ultimately, there's only these special few, in this case, that what he believes, touched by God to be great. And Salieri has to come to terms with that. And that, that is actually a very darkly funny ending. He's like, God played the ultimate trick on me. I thought I'd be this great composer. I'm not. And the reason I found I wasn't was once I saw Mozart, this guy blew me out of the water. But instead, he took his talent, and I'm still here. I still have to suffer like the loser that I am, that I'm like, I never got to do what I wanted to be. And the last shot, he's being pushed in a wheelchair and he's like yelling to people. He's like, it's okay to be mediocre. Like, I bless you. Mediocrity everywhere. And it's like, it's a funny lesson. So many of us aspire to greatness, yeah. but more often than not, we just end up being mediocre. Yeah. That That is ultimately right. All right, Chris is now going to listen to this laugh while we keep on going. But Amadeus... No, I heard it already. Ultimate. I just wanted to give the audience a taste. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Just go ahead and just put Mozart's laugh underneath the entire review. A minute 10, you'll hear him just giggling like a banshee the entire time. It, it, it's an incredible laugh.
Like it made me think. I'm like, I don't even know. Like I'm gonna have to look up like other laughs that aren't even close because it's Richard Widmark and Kiss of Death, which is a classic film noir. He's got a pretty crazy laugh. Obviously Jack Nicholson, the Joker, but I'm like, this Tom Hulse laughing in Mozart was uh it was pretty <laughs> epic. All right, one more review here for you. I'll give Amadeus three police, maybe three and a half, three and a half, because it is it is pretty extraordinary in terms of the sweep of it, but I, I wouldn't say it's uh lived up to the hype in some ways of those eight Oscars. Last up, and this movie was awesome. Belle du jour. I was so excited as soon as LeBoy told me he had the DVD. Louis Binwell, Scorsese executive produced it, which, by the way, I love my friend Greg Hamilton, but I wonder if people sometimes. I, I took a picture because on the DVD it says Martin Scorsese presents, and I posted the picture, you know, movie night. And he's like, oh, my God, is that Killers of the Flower Moon? I'm like, Killers of the Flower Moon is a $200 million movie coming out from Apple and Paramount, which just premiered at the Cannes Film Festival a month ago. You think they just send me a screener and like July 10th, I'm just sitting in my basement like, oh, I have the new Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert Turner movie. I'm just going to crank this up. I'm like, like, I know people think I have pull. I don't have that kind of pull. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I don't get screeners to movies that have not been released yet three months in you advance. You should be I'm impressed like, no. that he thought that, though. Like You, you should guess. take this as a compliment. It, it, shows that, it shows that the ruse is working. People definitely think I know more than I am. <laughs> uh, I got No, it's a 1967 French movie, actually, uh, that Scorsese executive produced. It's about a whore. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. That's not an exaggeration. A frigid young housewife decides to spend her midweek afternoons as a prostitute. Now, with Louis Binwell as a director, I knew there was going to be surrealistic touches, but I really wasn't sure where the story was going to go. But suffice to say, it was an absolute delight. I found it funny. I found it charming. I found it sweet, uh, obviously sexualized. And I was very amused by it. That story is exactly what it is. Bored housewife. Her husband works. He's on the road, whatever. And all of a sudden, she hears a woman telling her about a bordello. She's like, if you're kind of bored by life, you can go be a whore. And she's like, really? She's like, yeah. She's like, okay, I'll go check it out. She goes there, meets the, like, the, the madam. Again, this is 1967. It's a pretty edgy movie for its time. She goes there, meets the guys. Like, yeah, we have men come here. We have customers. You get a massage, whatever. They do their thing. I'm like, okay. There's a guy early on. He's absolutely hysterical. He, uh, I texted LeBoy in real time. I go, this movie's hilarious. And he's like, is it the guy with the wine bottle? I'm like, yeah. This guy shows up and he's like, when it comes to sex, I have to get it every night or I just can't sleep. And he's got like four whores in at the time. Eventually, he takes one of them. He's like, all right. He's like, let's, let's go do our business. Do you like it rough? Do you like it rough? I'm like, this guy's just an absolute clown, but he's ridiculous. Later on, the Asian guy, also very funny. And I'm wondering, like, where's the story going to go? She, she literally, her husband goes to work. She goes and works in a whorehouse and then goes home at night. Eventually, it gets dark because one guy starts stalking her. So I imagine it probably happens with prostitution. Like, guys, like, no, I love you. Leave the business. I'll yeah. marry you. You know, hook her with a heart of gold, pretty woman type deal. So he's like, you know, I want to know more about your life. She's like, no, you can't. Like, I'm a married woman. I come here, I do my thing. And I go back. He's like, no, I want to be, I want to meet your husband. I want to be with you. I want to do this. Ugh. And she's like, no. So eventually she tells him, like, I have to quit the bordello. Like, I can't work anymore. This guy's getting nutty. He's stalking me. She's like, yeah, that happens. These guys get kind of obsessive. Eventually the stalker shows up at her place. Like, now it's getting really weird. She's like, I'm going to kidnap your husband. I'm going to murder him unless I meet him. Unless I, I want to be with you. Like, I, we have to take on your life. So I'm like, this is getting kind of dark. Eventually she, he, he shoots the husband. Husband's paralyzed. I'm like, oh my God. I'm definitely spoiling this one because I don't know how many of you are going to watch Belle du Jour. I don't know how many of you have DVD access to this movie. To so the last There's shot, definitely is he's, people he's, intrigued right now. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what? You're right. There's, <laughs> go find the movie. I'm not going to tell you the last scene. I'll tell you that part. I'll just say this. Eventually, whenever someone is living a deceptive life, somebody will find out the secret. Let's put it that way. Husbands, friends. Hey, those guys like to hoard up too. So one of them shows up. He's like, "Oh my god, you're you're oh wow, oh, okay, yeah." Which which is an incredible thought. Like imagine. Again, Cody and I are responsible, but it would, it would be a, like a, such a jarring thing. It'd be I won't, like, I won't it'd be like running into a friend 
a friend's wife who's a stripper at the strip club. Yes. Like, I'm Correct. never going to go to a prostitute, but if I end up at a strip club and I'm like, Sarah? <laughs> that <laughs> which, would be Which, incredible. honestly, I, I, I will just be vague. In my life, I have... That's happened. It's never with, like, in my... It was one of my younger years. It was just a girl that I, like, went to high school with. I'm like, oh, this is where you are now. <laughs> Did you talk to her? Yeah. I love that part. Like, it's one thing we just seen it. Kind of go, there you go, no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna she had no well, shame but... in her game. She's like, you want to yeah. dance? I'm like, that, let's. This, that, that's a little too weird. I'm like, I don't, like it's just nice to see you. <laughs> right. You should have definitely got the dance. Like, nah, it would just, it would just mean, take it's... things to a different level of awkward. She's just there to make money. She's like, I'm just here for the money. I don't care. We went to high school together. Yeah. You could tell all the guys. Yeah. They'll come by and see. Yo, yo, Sarah's a stripper yeah. now. Like, really? Like, and yeah, I did. Really and I did. I told. <laughs> I didn't get a dance, but I told people. <laughs> I just. I can't think of anything more. Jarring. Yeah. You're in a Instagram with your buddies like, oh my, I know that. Like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, you're seeing a girl from high school. Okay, that's still jarring. But imagine, like, that's my buddy's wife. Oh, God. Because then, like, she's looking really at you and, and she's not telling, right? Because it's all secretive. So it's like, you can't right. tell my husband that I'm here. Yeah. That's my buddy's wife. And then she makes contact because you're not going to tell. And you go, I, I got to tell Steve. He's yeah. my buddy. Like, are you kidding? Depends how you're close I am with them. That's a tough game. Like, you know, <laughs> if I'm closer with him, I got to tell him. Sorry. Great, great movie. Good luck finding it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but check out Belle du Jour. It's an absolute classic there from Louis Benoit, executive produced by Martin Scorsese. Thanks, as always, for supporting Cinephile. Next week, once again, Pam Greer, 70s black exploitation legend and the star of Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. She has a new movie coming out, which is on Tubi. I believe it is free right now on Tubi. I think it's available even right now. So we're going to talk about that. And we'll also get an author of The Exorcist and Oscar De La Hoya coming up in a couple of weeks. The Golden Boy documentary premiering on HBO about his life as a great boxer. Thanks, as always, to my buddy Chris Cody. Thanks, as always, to the Metal Art team. Appreciate all of you and your support. And until then, I'll see you at the movies. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.